Wonderful. Well, it's been a it's been a great time, and uh, yeah, just uh, this afternoon, just want to try and build on um, what Steve and Rob were sharing this morning, and uh, really talking about living our in our identity as saints, as believers, as sons, as uh, empowered soldiers in the army, and particularly as um, harvesters together, partners in harvest. Um, you know, these things of, of ministry and mission goes together. In Luke 3, it talks about Jesus began his ministry when he was about 30 years of age. And then he goes through those series of graded tests in the wilderness. And it says he went into the wilderness in the fullness of the Spirit and he came out in the power of the Spirit. Yeah, and that's kind of God's plan when we go through various challenges. The word test means to, it comes from a, a Greek word which means to pierce through or to break through, to come out at a higher level. Um, we heard some wonderful uh, encouragement from Rob this morning of the challenges that we've been through with COVID. Yeah, but with, with Christ in our lives, he enables us to, to go through and come out at a higher level. And so Jesus goes into Nazareth and he, he gives his mission statement. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and so on. And so ministry and mission, Luke said he began his ministry, and then he declares his mission to Satan, the two sides of the same coin. And God wants to equip us for both. Yeah, uh, Leadership is to equip every one of us for ministry and mission. And uh, two sides of the same coin. If we're a follower of Christ, we're becoming a fisher of men. Yeah. If you're a disciple of Jesus, uh, you're in the process of becoming uh, an evangelist in training. And that may sound a bit scary, but actually God equips us and empowers us for that. Yeah, the two sides of the same coin. And so I believe that God is highlighting to the church in these days the importance of one-to-one discipleship and one-to-one uh, engagement in harvesting for the mission. And so I just want to illustrate that for me. I'm going to call up four people from our uh, church who are here. So if Lisa, um, Lynn, uh, Danny, and Noel would like to come up. And um, this is kind of more of a, a bit of a, a story, really, a journey. Uh, yeah, maybe just uh, we'll have Lisa on the far right, then Lynn, then Noel, and then Danny. Yeah. And uh, you can just give, each, give everybody a wave and introduce yourself just now. Um, is the... Wrote, uh, the hand mic, thanks, sir, Andrew. So there's a lady in our church who got uh, went on a journey last year, and, and I've asked Lisa and Lynn and Noel and Danny just to describe that journey, um, because Lisa was the first port of call for this lady. We're not going to use her real name. We'll we'll call her Jane. Okay. <laughs> so see, see if we can remember that, guys. Jane. <laughs> I know we're going to get quite excited about the story, but. Uh, <laughs> So, Lisa, you kick off, and uh, we'll just go through the process, the story, yeah, the, the chain. Yeah. So a couple of uh, years ago, I did a counselling course, went back to college, and I remember coming home on the first day, and my husband asked me how I'd gotten on and what I thought of the people that I'd met, and I said, I really like them all, but there's this one girl that I'm really not sure about. <laughs> That's all with the fail mistake, I think, when you say that with God, because it completely changed my heart over the course of, 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 of months um, with this particular uh, young woman. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so in that environment, from week to week, we were practically 
things and sides of each other and sides and eyes about each other's story. And as I got to know her over the, the course of the time, my heart was really soft towards her and I knew that she really needed uh, Jesus. And then towards the um, the end of the of, of the time, I remember we had this one session where we were all sitting in a circle and I'd said that it reminded me of um, like we were all around the pool of Bethesda and, and waiting for the water to be stirred and she just had said, do you think that's really true? Can Jesus save? And uh, I just remember going home and really praying and crying out that God would move in her life. And it wasn't, I don't know, about a year maybe after that when um, we decided at PCI that we were going to run a course and immediately um, I thought about you. And, uh, and uh, so I just dropped her uh, a text, and I've never had anybody respond so positively than I've put in my life. Because <laughs> she honestly, she, she nearly bit my hand off and said, That's right up my street, and I can't wait to see you part. And I offered to go along with her, and she didn't want me. She just said, well, I want to go on my own, I want to just take it on board all for myself. Uh, and that was, that was amazing. Yeah, the course is well right. So we did a Zoom after course. Um, I've not met Jane before. And uh, yeah, there was quite a few of us church people and a couple of musicians as well. And uh, but Jane stood out because you could speak so humbly. I need to know more about this. And, and uh, yeah, conversation. We had a WhatsApp group for that alpha group. And uh, yes. Just built relationship with her, and this girl was not scared to ask questions. You know that thing about Alfred the Stratford, no question is the wrong question, you can ask whatever you want. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> she asked questions. And salvation baptism. Yeah. Salvation and baptism. You yeah. She prayed the prayer by week done in the rest of the night. That's fine, don't worry about it. Gave her life to the Lord, got baptized. In lockdown, we had it outdoors on a beautiful sunny Edinburgh day, and I mean that. It's beautiful. <laughs> the people in the flats behind us, we had spectators watching, and she stood up, testified to the Lord, and it was just determined to say So shortly after that, we ran another online alpha, and Jane decided that she would invite a friend. Because she had connected with truth and it yeah. impacted her life in such an incredible way. And um, her friend came along to all the sessions, made the prayer as well, mm-hmm. said yes to the Lord Jesus. And um, they both came, and we, although it was online, we had the Holy Spirit who came in person. It was wonderful to see them both in tears as the Holy Spirit ministered to them. Um, prophetic words were brought to them that this to the heart of both of their situations. And it was just so lovely to be a part of seeing that growing relationship. And there were other um, people there starting to see them connecting to those people. Mm-hmm. So the same day, the same day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's designed to give this all this thing. So she invited her brother to come share our group too. So it's like a alpha for you. And uh, she's part of alpha for you. Now the brother invited a friend. So it's just like a chain, it's not what it's doing. And uh, we're in the week four, how far are you asking questions? You know, that eager growth 
right question, the right people. You also be an impact to the actual family. Not mm. the man in black that has the question of business to yeah. It's just amazing to see how God works within like a chain. Yeah. Yeah, well, just, just hang on there, guys. Just, just hang on. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just this kind of train, chain reaction. But, and, and then uh, the father got invited to, the men's, to a men's time that Rob did with us on Saturday, Saturday night. And he was going to come and he pulled out last minute. Um, a couple of other guys came on Saturday night who uh, Danny invited one and another guy on our team back home invited. And a Polish neighbor came and uh, Italian guy who's a friend of Danny's. And just the culture, I've done this, a culture of invitation, guys, a culture of connection, uh, a culture of friendship, a culture of building. It's doable. If you look at these four people, they're all different. Yeah, different accent, Northern Ireland, England, South African, Zimbabwean, different space and place, a uh, bit odd with the shorts. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and different giftings. Lisa's very prophetic. Lynn's uh, also prophetic but, and very relational, very generous-hearted, open-homed kind of person. Uh, Noel's got a wonderful teaching gift. Uh, and Danny's an incredible shepherd in terms of pastoral and relational. And so, yeah, uh, my primary gift is not ev evangelist either. Neither is any of these guys. But they've all been used, in, and we're working together. It takes, it takes a child, a village to raise a child. It takes a community to impact one who can then impact one, who can impact a household and impact a, a neighborhood and impact a, a region, impact the city and impact a nation. So thank you. So we're going to go to John 4 and look at how Jesus, Jesus was intentional in going for the one to reach the many. He did it time and time again. And the, and the disciples followed suit. Um, in another account, uh, we see that Jesus crossed over a, a lake in a, in a storm, uh, took authority over the storm, and he was on a mission to reach ten cities. They're called the Decapolis uh, in the Bible. Ten cities, ten communities. And I wonder what would have been our strategy to reach those ten cities. Well, his strategy was to go for a madman named Legion. One guy who was demonized, uh, was known for all the wrong reasons in that community, far and wide around those ten cities. And after he set him free, and he was, uh, that wonderful text where it says, he was sitting still, fully clothed and in his right mind. Remember, God said to his, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, when you go out into a community, look for a, look for a key man. Look for a man of peace. Well, Legion became the man of peace in an amazing way in that region. He was transformed and Legion became the evangelist for the region. And he wanted to go with Jesus back to the other side of the lake. And Jesus said, no, stay at home. Speak to your friends and your neighbors. And I love this line. He says to, he says to him, tell them everything that God has done for you and how he has had compassion on you I love that you know and so friends it's about loving people and then knowing that you are empowered to bring a, a diff make a difference in their lives and learning for, from others in the journey 
and being part of this combined harvesting unit. And, and something of what I want to do this, uh, this afternoon is um, kind of just look at how do we sharpen our blades in the harvesting? Because you know, each one of us is a, is a blade in this harvesting machine, in this harvesting force, in this uh, company of believers that is going somewhere. Jesus came as the son, as Steve described wonderfully earlier, in, in humility, and he gave his life for us. When he lived on earth, he lived as a sent one. Yeah, he, was, he lived in his identity as a son, secure, strong. So when the enemy came with those graded tests in the wilderness, he stood strong in the word and, and in his identity, because that's where uh, the enemy attacked him. If you are the son of God, misuse your power. You know, do a spectacular jump off the temple, you know, to as a performance. And Jesus wasn't lured by that strategy or the wealth of the kingdoms of the world. He was secure in his sonship, in his identity, as we heard this morning. But he lived with intention as a sent one. And God wants us to do the same. One day we'll be in glory. We'll celebrate forever in heaven as sons and daughters of the king. That's, that's our primary relationship. That's our identity. Everything overflows out of that. But while we're here on planet Earth, we have a job to do. We have a mission to engage in, as Rob was uh, reminding us uh, this morning. And it's with Jesus. And actually, it's an incredible mission of actually sharing his love and his good news with others. So turn to the person next to you and say, you are the light of the world. And then, and then ask them, then ask them, how does that feel to you? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then say to them. You are that, irrespective of your feelings. <laughs> you see, Ken, Ken mentioned, Ken shared about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, light shows the way. I learned in physics, like like Steve, we've got a bit of science back. I learned in physics, light moves in straight lines. God is linear in purpose. He doesn't want us to go around the same mountain. We do from time to time. We get stuck. Yeah, we do. But he wants us to spin out of that and get back on track. Light moves in straight lines. He shows the way. And people in our world, they're hungry for direction. And then light reveals the truth. You know, these windows don't look too bad. But you get the sunshine uh, shining through the windows, and they will illuminate every bit of dust and muck and cobwebs and the rest of it. Because light reveals truth. Jesus has done that in my life. He's revealed a lot of mess to me along the way. And I've had to repent of it, turn from it, and to become more like him as a disciple. And so light reveals the truth. And thirdly, light brings life. Yeah, you know, what a miserable existence it would be without light. I mean, God is light. Yeah, I know you get some of those creepy, horrible, mucky, oily things at the right at the bottom of the sea in the darkness. But who wants to live with those things? 
You know, we're made for the light, yeah? So light leads in straight lines. It brings direction. Light illuminates. It brings reality to people's lives. And light brings life. And, and so it brings growth. L-I-G-H-T. So you are a leader in your sp- sphere of influence. You are an illuminator where, you, where God has placed you. You are a grace giver, G, and a growth giver for people around us who are looking for life, who are hungry and starving for life. And you are a hope bringer, H, where, you, where God has placed you. And when you put all those things together, you are T. You are in Christ's hands, in the power of the Spirit within you. You are a transformer and bringing transformation. And God wants that, that to happen one by one with the neighbor where you are and for it to cascade out. For his glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory to shine through your lives so that it's affecting, as we saw here, one, one person through another person through another person. They're inviting their brother, and he's inviting a friend, and the light just cascades out. The glory of God cascades out from the Christian to a couple, to the children, to the family, to the community, to the city, to the county, to the country, to the continent, to the whole cosmos. Yeah, you get the picture? That's how the whole glory of God is going to fill the earth. See, it's one by one we reach the world. You know, they, they say that, you know, if an evangelist preaches to a thousand people, and we know people like Reinhard Bonker have preached up to a million in wherever it was, Nigeria, you know, and let's say a thousand a night get saved, it will be a thousand plus years before the whole world can come to Christ. But p- the potential of one person sharing the gospel with another and, 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 and leading one person to Christ per year, I think it is, and that person then doing the same. The potential of that is that the whole world will be will come to Jesus in 34 years. Now, we know that that's not going to happen, but the potential is, I'm showing you that the exponential effect of actually of, of bearing fruit comes by going for the one, yeah, to reach the many. And we could give examples out of Acts chapter 3, the lame man at the beautiful gate. They touch his life, and out of that, thousands are impacted. Uh, Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria, this place that we're going to look at. Um, we're all in some area. Yeah, He went to some area. We're all in an area. And he goes to an area, and he's an evangelist. He's an Ephesians 4 evangelist. So there's a slight difference there. Um, and the whole city is impacted. But then, he, then God says to him, go to a desert road. Go to a desert road, and, and, and so he obeys, and he goes out of this revival to a desert road, and he meets one guy, an Ethiopian eunuch who's kind of a, a treasurer to the queen uh, in Ethiopia, and the gospel opens up not just to a country, but to a whole continent. Uh, Steve was telling us the story yesterday of a guy, a British ambassador, um, who's in Chicago, uh, been there a couple of years, and he, was, he tried to track them down, as a church, he went through to a couple of other churches. This was during COVID, I think. And um, yeah, uh, he should be telling this story, not me. But uh, um, yeah, this guy eventually found them as a church through a, a bit of a tortuous route. It was a total God thing. And has, has become part of that community. And uh, he's only there for another year or two, two, two years. And, and, and then he's going to be relocated somewhere else. But he's Armenian, yeah. And um, he connected Stephen Debbie with another guy in Armenia. And God's opening a door into Armenia 
for this guy. And the amazing thing is when they got into touch with this guy in Armenia, he said, oh, I've just come off the phone, a phone call, a conversation with a guy called Fred in Paris and a guy called Robin in Munich, who are part of our, our, our network. Incredible how God, God puts people together. And so God's opening up another nation. And so just, yeah, the, the one to reach the many. Let's just read then John chapter 4. I just want to give a couple of principles related to combine harvesting and then look at just some things, how we can engage the one to reach the many. Uh, John 4, 34. Jesus, um, so the story is he's been engaging with this lady um, who was an outcast in her community. She was um, abused and uh, had gone through a lot of relational dysfunction in her life. Uh, she was out at a well at, at the worst time of the day, 12 noon. So uh, that was also an indication that, you know, she was kind of being isolated and sent and, and kind of pushed out. He encounters her, has an amazing conversation with her. And um, the disciples have missed this whole lot because they've been hungry and they've gone for food. And so uh, Jesus says to them, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, there's the word, and from finishing his work. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you, look up. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. It's harvest time. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one person plants and someone else harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and you will gather the harvest. We'll just leave it there for the time being. And so four quick things here on some principles of combine harvesting. Firstly, with Jesus and with one another, see the harvest through his eyes. Yeah. Sometimes uh, seek the Lord of the harvest, who's the shepherd of the sheep, and see the harvest through his eyes. You know, some kind, sometimes we can get um, overwhelmed with the the multitudes out there, the, the crowds, you know, if we're in these big cities. But Jesus saw the multitudes, but he saw them as a harvest of valuable individuals. And we've got to see people through his eyes. Not a mass of people we've got no hope of reaching. And see people, um, the lady at the Tesco checkout, or the guy at the bu- on the bus, or the person that we walk past regularly, or a neighbor, see people as pre-Christians, people who have the potential to be one for Christ. Um, Jesus operated like this. When when he saw people, uh, he spoke into their lives. There was transformation and they moved with him. But it began with seeing. For example, when he saw Matthew, it says he saw Matthew as a tax collector sitting at a a booth. Everybody saw Matthew, uh, the Romans used him, and the Jews despised him. Everybody saw red, but Jesus saw green. Everybody saw the problem, but Jesus saw the opportunity. And what did he see in Matthew? I believe he saw more than a man. He saw he was a relational man. How do we know that? Because no sooner is he following Jesus, and he's inviting his tax collector buddies around for a big party, and he's inviting Jesus to the occasion. And, you know, Jesus is lapping it up and enjoying it. He said, this is why I've come. I've come to be with people like this. So he saw he was a relational guy. 
We saw that he had an eye for detail. He was an accountant. Ken. <laughs> and he saw he was rooted in Jewish history. He, he, he knew he came, he had a, an understanding of, of the Jewish background. And he saw his future, the potential for writing an account, a story of, his, of, of the life of Jesus that was not just going to impact a, pe- a few people in his time, but thousands of generations to come. What are we seeing in people? What are we seeing? Are we just seeing a man? Are we just seeing a person? Are we seeing the potential in people? Seeing the opportunity? Seeing the possibilities? That, uh, seeing the potential, the grace of God in people's problems. Going back to Jane. Her, Jane's background is chaotic. Yeah? But God's doing an amazing work in her life. And he's got various people who've looked into her life, connected with her, shown her love and compassion in, in Jesus. And she's on a journey of yeah, redemption, restoration, and she's bringing others to faith. It's a wonderful thing. Second thing, God includes us in his big harvesting plan. See the privilege of partnering in his big harvesting plans. He's a, he's a big God with big plans for his big world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he, he is still um, moving. Things are going to get more chaotic, are going to get darker in our world, friends, as time goes on. The Bible's pretty clear on that. But with that, there's a parallel trap. The harvest is going to be acceleratingly increasing. Yeah. And actually, where um, the, the gospel is growing the most is where the persecution is the most intense. You know, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Um, Tear Fund did a, a survey about 10 years ago and reckoned there was about 135,000 people being born again in our globe every single day. And a quarter of them, 25% of them, were in China. But here's the good news for us. We're part of this. We're part of this. We're part of what Rob Forbes is doing at the moment in Mongolia. Yeah, We're part of this bigger picture. And we need to celebrate that. But as, as a local church, we partner together, as members together, in reaching a harvest that is, that is bigger than, than just one of us can reach. Yeah, We've got different gifts. Paul said in um, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but God is the one who's important. He gives the increase. So God empowers us to work together in team. Yet not, and I think somebody already said today, you know, none of us have got it all together, but together with Christ, we have it all. You know, it's this thing of com- combination, different giftings. And so different approaches, different personalities. Some are relational. Some are invitational. Yeah? Some, some um, love to serve, you know, and, and, and gift of helps in different ways. And all of those giftings can be used in impacting people, in, in leading them into a relationship with Jesus and discipling them in faith in their walk with the Lord. All being equipped as one team with one purpose. Thirdly, the harvest is ripening all around us now. There's an urgency now. It's ripening. And um, 
I believe that people are being ripe, ripened for picking where you are living. Yeah? Because God positions us with purpose in mind. In your block of flats, in your cul-de-sac, in your school, in your university, in your workplace, you know. Um, and so there's an intentionality here in terms of the purposes of God and the power of God in our lives. The purpose of the, of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not primarily to speak in tongues. It's to speak to your neighbor. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me. Be witnesses. It's a being thing, as Steve described earlier today. It's, it's not, witnessing is not something we do. It's something that we're empowered to be. Yeah. And, and, and the wonderful thing is, when people bump, start bumping into Christians all over the place who actually are living as royal sons and daughters and uh, secure and strong in their identity as, as light and not darkness and start sharing good news with them and you know, sharing something of Jesus with them, they are encountering that and they're going to ask, well, who are you? Where do you come from? Take me to your leader. Wouldn't it be wonderful in Liverpool, in Northwich, in Crawley, in Edinburgh, in Dundee, and in Chicago, and in Mulder's Drift, and in Nykirk, and I'm and, and sorry if I've left a city or a town out. In, in our cities where we are, that, it would, that we can make it um, more challenging uh, and more kind of impossible, uh, less possible for people to go to hell because we are being mobilized uh, in this way, and we're actually seeing people. So this thing of people are being ripened, look where God is already working and join him in his work. John Wimber talks about that. The situational anointing, be, being aware, looking. Yeah, That wonderful account in John, uh, is it Acts 14, Paul's preaching to a crowd, and he sees somebody in the crowd who's lame, and he sees that he has faith to be healed. He stops what he's doing, he sees God's already working on him, he speaks into the situation, the guy's healed. Look where God's already working. Now, it may not be as dramatic as that, dramatic as that, but Lisa described how she saw this person who was different amongst the crowd. Initially, wasn't sure whether she could engage, but then the questions started to rise, the statements started to be expressed, and she realized that God is at work on that person, and she engaged. See where God is already working. It's a good thing for us in, in leading meetings as well, when, uh, in times like this, as we, as we lead meetings and we look out, and also for, for worship leaders, see where God's already working in, amongst the crowd. And yeah, in, in prophetic times, we've got a prophetic time tonight, uh, which we're really looking forward to, and, and I believe God's going to minister to you know, all of us here. But see where God is working, and, and why don't you open up your heart for this evening and ask God, God, show me, uh, give me a word for somebody here. Show me where you're working. Show me, give me something that I can go to one other person and impart your life and truth and bring hope and strength to someone this evening. Because where we train in together in team here in, in the area of um, comfort, shall we say, or peace, whether it's, it's, it's less challenging out there, we train and we get sharpened in our blades in the, for going into the marketplace. But see where people are being ripened and work where God's already working. And fourthly, 
The harvest is ready to reap because others have already sown. Think, process. You know, they say in the UK, and I'm sure it's true elsewhere, uh, in first world countries, that on average, people have five to seven Holy Spirit encounters before they come to faith in Jesus. Now, we know that it can happen dramatically like that. We're not limiting God in any way. But it's the thing of process. That you're, you may be uh, Elisa that starts the chain. You may be uh, somebody else in the middle that, that seals the deal with somebody on their journey. Or you may be a Danny that's involved in discipleship further. But there's a process of sowing and reaping. And I want to encourage us, keep sowing. Keep sowing in prayer. Keep sowing in tears. Keep sowing in joy. It's a joyful process, Jesus says, actually. And, and there's no greater joy than one person coming to Christ. There's, you know, when the angels who are in front of God Almighty all day uh, go ballistic because one person comes to Jesus, you know that it means a lot to the, to the, to the, to, in the throne room of heaven. And it should mean a lot to us. Every person matters to God. And so, yeah. The process, think, think process. Think people. Think partnership. And, yeah, think precious individuals in reaching the harvest. So just quickly, how do we engage? How do we engage one-on-one? Um, Jesus gives us like a, a kind of a master class on this with this engaging with this lady. Firstly, be open to divine appointments and be expectant for divine appointments in everyday life. Yeah. Um, just be, you know, when, when we start to expect more of God in our everyday life, that's where Christianity gets exciting. Yeah, where we start seeing opportunities and engaging with people. You know, for example, you go out for a meal with your husband or with your wife. And you, you know, at the end of the meal, the waitress or waiter's been serving you and said, actually, you've been serving us tonight. You've been blessing us. We're also in the blessing business. How can we pray for you? Just ask the question, you know. Um, just opportunities, or the, the, the lady at the checkout in Asda or Tesco. And as we start to make that more of a lifestyle, it's amazing how things can open up, conversations open up, hearts open up. Uh, and, and, yeah, opportunities to share more of Jesus with people in your day, on your journey. You know, and so it's kind of recognizing in life. I mean, I, I remember when I was an engineer, uh, worked at a company in South Africa for 13 years, and I loved what I did, did a lot of project work. A lot of, but God had to remind me on a regular basis when I walked into that office, you are now entering your mission field. Your purpose here is not just project and task orientated, which is often the way that we are wired as men, uh, but your purpose is people. Look out for people. Look out for where I might be working. Look out and take the opportunity. Colossians 4, 5 says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Secondly, be real. Jesus engages with this woman. He's tired. He's, he's, he's dead beat. He's, he's been on a long journey. The sun's beating down. He's hungry. We know that because the disciples are off looking for food. He's thirsty. He asks for a drink, and you notice he never gets one. 
<laughs> you know, and so, but he's real. He's real. And, you know, Rob talked about, in a wonderful way, about uh, being real this morning. Uh, we've, we've, we've all gone through and are going through the challenges of COVID. And we, we're not immune to the challenges that people face uh, around us. And certainly COVID has highlighted that, this global uh, epidemic. And um, yeah, but we need to be real with people. You know, if we're sick, tell them you're sick. You know, I'm talking about unsaved guys in your workplace. If, you, you know, if they ask you, you're not looking quite so good today. Well, I'll say, no, I'm a bit under the weather. But then lead the conversation to the higher reality. Yeah. That you actually have someone who you can go to in prayer. You have someone who can pray for you. You have someone who can walk the journey with you. And of course, you could, we could talk about different examples of that, you know, in terms of loss of a, loss of a loved one or just different challenges that people face. How, when we stand in peace and we stand true in those moments and we walk the journey, it opens up a conversation, maybe not, maybe not in the moment but maybe a couple of months' time. I remember working with a guy for six months on a project as an engineer, and after sweat, sweating and kind of pouring our lives into this project for six months, which in the end didn't actually get the green light, two of us, you know, night and day, one morning after we were just having a coffee together, he said, so, so tell me, what makes you tick? Six months. Six months it took for him to ask that question, and then the door was wide open. But we've got to be real in engaging with people. Thirdly, be sociable, be friendly. Jesus said to this Samaritan woman, please give me a a drink. And it blew her away. The fact that he engaged with her at all blew blew her away because uh, rabbis didn't go through Samaria, number one, and they they definitely didn't speak to a woman in public. And so he just went against all the protocol of the day and and he engaged with her. And he was, he was friendly. He was sociable. Don't be put off by the look or by the package of people on the outside. God wants to, God wants to um, shine up a few rough diamonds around us. I, I found in, in my working life, both as an engineer and also the five years that I worked for Waitrose in, in Edinburgh, that the guys that seem the most distant, that swear like troopers, are actually, actually have the softest hearts and are the most hungry. I remember driving with a guy one time in my, it was actually, he was driving, I was in the, the van with him, we were going to do some online deliveries, and it was in the middle of winter, so we needed to pair up because there was snow everywhere. And we'd gone, for, we'd driven about, I don't know, 10 minutes, and we built a bridge at this point. We, we knew each other well. Uh, John, John was his name, and she said, she said Fred. Um, <laughs> and I said to him, Fred, um, just, just matter of matter of factly, I said, Fred, do you, do you realise in the last ten minutes you've taken the Lord's name in vain thirty times? And he looked at me. We knew each other well. We built a bridge. Yeah. So this is. I wouldn't have said that to him first meeting, of course. He said. He looked at me. He said, "Really?" In his Scottish accent. Really? He said, "Yeah." And I just said it with a smile on my face. He said. He said, no, he didn't say the Lord's name in vain again. <laughs> no, no, he said, no, but then we had a comment, and we'd already spoken about, I've already spoken to him about Jesus. And, you know, he was the kind of guy, he'd look at Bible stuff on Discovery Channel. And they had amazing conversations. But the point of that story is build bridges with people, build friendship with people. Don't be put off by the cover. 
Um, I remember we went out for a, uh, we did some partnership with other uh, churches in the city of Edinburgh a while back. This was pre-COVID. And um, I was out with somebody uh, yeah, on the streets. And um, we saw a guy sitting on, on a bench, big guy with kind of tattoos. And we went up to him and uh, I kind of pondered whether I should go up to him, you know, me with my uh, muscular uh, physique. And kind of he was, he was as wide as I was high and kind of, uh, tattoos everywhere. And I uh, said, hi, we're, um, we're just out and kind of just uh, speaking to people about Jesus. And uh, we just want, want you to know God loves you and he's got a plan and a good purpose for your life. And he looked at me and he just said, Really? I said, yeah, yeah, he does. Um, can we share a bit more on that with him? He said, sure. And we, we shared a couple of scriptures with him. And we said, you know, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, can we say we kind of did the Roman road thing with him? And he said, I'm a whoever, you're a whoever, it's whoever. He said, really? And we let him, we let him right through in a prayer of salvation. And, and, and he was this guy who looked like, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, a big brood of a guy. His heart was as soft as anything on the inside. Led him to the Lord, uh, gave him a connection with somebody else in the city who was going to follow up with him. Don't judge a book by its cover. Build friendship with people and see where God takes it. Create, number four, create curiosity through statements and questions. Jesus does this in a, this encounter with, 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 the, with the woman at the well. Ask questions and make room for God. Yeah? If only you knew, Jesus says, who it is who's asking you for this drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It creates a, a curiosity. What do you mean? Um, and so, yeah, opportunities. Have you heard about Alpha? What's your church background? What do you believe about God? Ask bridge questions and expect God to step in. You know, in our Scottish environment, uh, often one thing that we, we did in the early days, and we do occasionally still from time to time, is I'm looking at Jeff now, is uh, a famous Scotsman said, all men die, few men really live. And most people know that quote because it's from Braveheart. A famous Scotsman said that, William Wallace. What do you think he meant by that? Just ask the question. And if there's a, if there's a silence, it will... Go on to the next question. <laughs> but create a moment of engagement. Create the opportunity. Number five, use everyday things to illustrate, illustrate spiritual truths. Jesus takes the natural water and he starts talking about living water. He takes something that's present, that's there, and he, he turns it around to a, to a conversation of spiritual things, spiritual reality. And the woman's response is, gee, I want some of that water, so I don't need to come back to this well every day of the week. I want some of that water that's going to come into my life and refresh me and satisfy me so that I'll never thirst again. Use everyday things to create and to illustrate spiritual truths. You know, there's all sorts of create, creative props around us, and we can use them to, to illustrate heavenly things. I remember years ago learning this on the streets with a, with a guy... In Springs, uh, a guy by the name of Al Edkins, I'll use his name because he's no longer with us, he's with the Lord, but uh, he was a managing director of a big big uh, board mill in Springs. He wasn't part of the church that we were part of, he was an Afrikaans guy, but we teamed, we somehow teamed up one day out on the streets. And we were just walking and we saw um, this gentleman 
uh, outside a, a, a toy shop, looking in through the window, and he was looking at um, he was looking at this train going round and round on a train track, and uh, I just watched watched Al. I just approached him. He stood next to him, and he said, he looked at this train going round the track, and he said, "Life can be like that sometimes, can't it?" It's like, and it opened up a 15 to 20 minute conversation. The guy ends up praying for him. And I thought, man, that was a moment of just revelation for me. Just took something that was happening in the shop, turned it into a, a moment of st a statement and a conversation that opens up. Number six, trust the Holy Spirit for insight and perception. Jesus' word of knowledge is the key to opening up this, the heart of this lady. He speaks right into her dysfunction of relationship. And, he, and he, he says, call your husband. And, uh, and, and, and she says, well, let me get the, let me get the text right. What he, what, he, what he actually says there. Go and get your husband. Yeah? And she said, I don't have a husband. The woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now and it's like that just opens up her heart and he's not he's not at that moment speaking that in a condemning way he's engaged with her she knows that she is important to him he's engaging with her and how do we know that because we'll come to this just now when she goes back and tells the whole village about what he said this is what she says come and see a man that told me everything that I ever did. Now, did, did Jesus tell her everything that she ever did? No. But she'd but he'd opened up the most important part of her life where she was totally undone. She'd felt accepted, loved, a sense of belonging. Someone's listening to me. Someone's engaging with me. Someone's speaking into the, to the, to the, the deepest need of my life. And she was totally Hooked, changed, transformed by this man. She'd found the seventh man, the perfect man, true manhood. And she went back to her village and she said, come and see, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. But friends, I want to encourage us. You may think, well, that's Jesus. But actually, he used a gift of, from the Holy Spirit, a word of knowledge. Yeah. And the gifts of the Spirit, the power gifts, the revelatory gifts, um, and that those gifts are given, not just for within the church community, but to be used out in the marketplace. Yeah, the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us. Yeah, it, it, it can be challenging, can't it? Yeah, we, we, we all feel the fear factor. But here's the good news. If you want to step out with Jesus in the gifts of the Spirit in a meeting, or if you want to step out with Jesus in bringing a contribution, or sharing your faith with someone, or praying for someone, fear as an emotion will never go away. We have to settle that. Fear as an emotion will never go away. And as Rob said this morning, courage is the ability to face our fears and to step forward in the midst of fear and make the sound decisions in the, in the moment of fear and trust the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in the moment. Oh, well, I feel outside my comfort zone. Well, you've got the comforter of all comforters with you as you step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. 
See, every excuse we come up with, the Paracletus has got an answer for us. <laughs> Paul said to Timothy, who wasn't an evangelist, he was a pastor, a teacher, kind of an apostolic guy in training. He said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. You know, if, if we say, well, I'm not going to go out and kind of reach people for Jesus. I'm just going to teach. That's my gifting. Well, if we carry on like that as a culture in the church, we'll have no people to teach. Or well, certainly no new people to teach. <laughs> yeah. We, God, God, we have this privilege, whatever our gifting is, of being witnesses to Jesus. You're the light of the world. This is your identity. So let, let, me, let me wind this wind this up. Just give you the other couple of quick things. Number seven, don't be, don't be sidetracked by red herrings or religious talk. So the, the lady is getting quite personal now when Jesus gives her these words. So she, she tries to take him off on another tangent. And he masterfully brings the conversation back to God. Can I, can I encourage us with that, with your buddies at work? To, to ask God to help you to bring conversations around to Jesus. So when I was at Waitrose, there was one question you could guarantee that would come up every Monday morning. So what did you do? What did you do over the weekend? It was like the perennial question, and I was ready for it. I watched some rugby. I went out and played some golf. I went out for a meal with my wife or a good time with my buddies. And you know what? We had a brilliant meeting yesterday. Uh, God came in the worship. Somebody got touched. Uh, somebody got healed, or whatever it might be. Just being real, whatever happened. And somebody spoke on this in terms of just, uh, which helped us in terms of an area of our lives. You know, just throw it in there. Be ready for it. Be ready for it. To, to turn the statement or the conversation to Jesus. Yeah. But mix it in to all the other stuff so that they know that you're a normal person. Be clear and assured in communicating who God is. So what Jesus does is, here is the, this lady said, oh, we Samaritans, we, we worship on Mount Gerizim, and you Jews, you worship in Jerusalem. And he says, it's not about time or place. It's about, the, the, about a relationship with the Father. He brings this, he says, the Father, the Father. He introduces God as the Father. The Father wants a relationship with you. The Father wants to love on you, to affirm you, to accept you. To, he wants you to come into that sense, sense of knowing that you are his, you belong to him. It's a relationship, it's not religion, it's not ritual. And, you know, friends, right across the UK, most, for most people, God is not on the radar, and they have a perception of what God is like. And so evangelism is about taking, taking if, if, that's, if that wall is where you cross the line to salvation, and this is where they start out when you kind of having the original conversation. They're at minus a thousand, and we want to get them to zero to cross the line. The first, the first port of call is, is to put a face on God for them. Jesus came to put a face on God, to show us what God is really like. And we, we need to live that out, of course, model it, but then also just share that actually God is not religious. He's real and he's relational. And take them on that journey. You know. Jesus did that with this woman. 
He talked about God being spirit, that we're eternal beings. And he actually said, I am the Messiah. The Messiah is speaking to you. He introduced himself to the woman. He didn't hold back. And he brought her to a point of decision, sealing the deal. And so, yeah, just, just wrapping up, I want to just say First Peter 2, I want to just finish off with this. First Peter 2 and verse 9. That we become proclaimers out of knowing who we are. That verse says, for you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, holy nation. You're royalty. You're chosen. You're part of this community that's set apart. You're a people belonging to God. And this woman at the well, she recognized all of those things, that she's accepted. She's, she's had a sense of belonging. She's, she's, she's been rejected by men all her life. But now she's found the seventh man, the perfect man, who's, who's spoken into her life, engaged with her. She goes back to her, her community and says, come and see true manhood. And it's, the text says that because of her, her word, many believed. Just on her word. Just on her word. Many believed. But then it goes on to say that many went out to see him and they asked him to say it say two days, and many more believed. Now that text goes on to say in 1 Peter 2, 9, live out your identity as chosen, as royal, as um, called sons and daughters, so that you may proclaim the praises, the virtue, the excellence, and that word in the Greek means the manliness the manliness of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, now we are the people of God. We are the light of the world. We are a chosen generation. We're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. This is who you are. This is what we're part of. We're partners together in harvest. We, our identity's been changed from night to day. And each one of you has a night to day testimony.